Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. All right, let's do this. Episode 186 of Blue Jays Nation Radio presented by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Coomzy, I was really hoping we wouldn't have to do a depressing edition of the podcast this week. I was hoping the Jays would come through. That was flat out miserable. Just a miserable 18 innings of baseball. Yeah, we're at the exact same result that we were I guess this time last year, I don't know if it syncs up on the perfect day, but early October of last year, the Blue Jays are out following that horrible collapse against Seattle. It was, you know, you just feel shook after that. How could that even happen? How'd they blow an eight, one lead, uh, this and that. And the feeling after getting swept by the twins and scoring one run over the two games is just, it's different. It's an empty feeling this time. It's, I saw a good line on Twitter and somebody said the Blue Jays are closer to a rebuild than they are to winning the world series. And I think that's probably accurate. I think it really sums up where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the big picture conversation, maybe towards the end of the podcast. Um, but let's start by just sort of breaking down what we saw on the field here in this one, because I mean, they got off on the wrong foot pretty much immediately. Like Kevin Gosman has a long first inning that he's got to grind through. Then he gives up the home run to Royce Lewis, who's just making his return from the injured list as well. Like that ballpark was absolutely rocking after that Royce Lewis home run. And it just felt like the Jays never really got back any sort of momentum in that series in any moment or in that game in any moment, it looked like they were starting to piece things together. You know, they're starting to get guys on base. You even look at, you know, in the first inning of that game, they get a gift. George Springer reaches on an air and you're thinking, here we go, like hit them early. And you just don't make anything out of it. And every opportunity in that game where they got runners on second, couldn't drive them in. They started to rally, couldn't get them in. Even in the ninth inning, they get a runner on George Springer absolutely just hits a rocket and it's right at Donovan Solano. Like they would just kind of get to the point where you get your hopes up a little bit and then crush you. Yeah. It, this is unfortunately kind of what I think a lot of us had at the back of our minds through late August and September leading into the playoffs was that 
there's no room for error for the pitching whatsoever. I mean, Gosman had a rough first inning, but all in all, he wasn't terrible. It's not like he allowed seven runs in the first inning and the game was completely out of reach. It was somebody on the twins hit a two run bomb in the first inning. And it genuinely felt like the, 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 the offense was incapable of matching that and then surpassing it for the win. It felt like the game was over in the first inning at two, nothing. And yeah. that's kind of the problem there is if the Jays were going to win game one, I think I had a similar quote, um, during the Texas series, maybe it was, um, and uh, if they were going to win that Gosman start, he had to literally be perfect. And to expect that from your pitchers every single time out, I, uh, there's, there's not much you can really do. The Jays, as I said in my my preamble, they scored one run over the course of two games in this series. No matter how well you pitch, you're just not going to win. It doesn't. It just doesn't matter. The offense wasn't there. It was the exact same offense we saw all season. And I think the optimistic ones of us said, hey, you know, this is a team apparently built for October baseball. There's lots of veterans, lots of players with something to prove. Maybe they'll find a new gear in the playoffs. And lo and behold, they did not. And the same issues that bit them in the ass all year, bit them in the ass in this series, terrible approaches in big situations. You look at game one, top of the eighth, Vladdy hammers that ball to the fence, lead off double. You're thinking, here we go. You got Bo Bichette coming up next. He's got two hits on the day. Like giddy up. We're in business. What happens in the next three batters? They throw, and it was Griffin Jacks who came into the game, throws seven pitches and gets two strikeouts and a line out in seven pitches, like basically turns in close to an immaculate inning after giving off a leadoff double. And it's like, they just continually could not get out of their own way. Um, Even yanking Kevin Gosman, like he went through the order twice. I see like the analytics side of it again, where it's like, don't let him face this team a third time. He's given up two home runs and sure as shit. I mean, the bullpen was fine, but like, I don't know. We're going to get into this with Brios, but like, why are you paying a starting pitcher that much money if you don't trust him to go through the order three times? Like, what are we doing here? Minnesota has Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray, two damn good arms. And what did they do? They let them face 27 batters in their starts. Like, that's what you're supposed to have aces for on your staff, not to immediately go to Eric Swanson at the first slightest sign of danger. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And the approach with the hitters, terrible. The approach with the coaching staff, terrible. Like, I just don't get it at all, man. You go all regular season letting Kevin Gosman pitch late in the games. And for some reason, it's October 3rd and you need to be like, nope. In what world could Kevin, Kevin Gosman face Eduardo Julian three times? Like, are we fucking serious right now? It's not like Mickey Mantle's in the fucking on deck. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, um, the other thing there is, is, uh, if one of those two situations had worked out, say the, we'll get to Barrios more, but say, say that situation works out and you get to game three, you've won the second game or you won the first game or whatever happens. And you're in game three in a situation where Kevin Gosman has gone four innings in game one and Jose Barrios has gone three innings in game two. You've got seven innings combined from your starters and you're having to, you know, go deep into the bullpen. So what happens if, you know, Chris Bassett comes out for game three and isn't spectacular and only can go through the order once like do you have the depth and the arms to grind through that all again well minnesota's pens somewhat rested because they actually let their starters pitch i don't know it's it's i don't know it's there's there's so many things to say and i don't want to lean into the reactionary thing but ah, there's there's something about the blue jays where it feels like they're treating this whole thing like a thought experiment yeah. and it's just not really conducive to you know real life situations with real people doing real things you know what i mean it's just i don't know i hate being an anti 
analytically inclined decisions guy, but I'm also a vibes guy. And it really feels like the, the whole thing was out of whack the entire year and they just never really managed to fix it. The Minnesota twins, two starting pitchers faced a total of 46 batters in that series. The blue Jays, two starters faced a total of 30 and the Jays starters only gave up four earned runs as well. So it's not like they pitched bad and had to be pulled out. Like everyone listening to this knows they look good. Um, at the end of the day as well, you're not going to win. Like if the Barrios decision, if Barrios throws a complete game shutout, the Jays probably still lose that game. You, you couldn't win the game zero zero. At some point, the offense had to do something. And maybe we shouldn't even like, maybe we're being too reactionary with the pitching staff stuff because, Hey, the Jays gave up five runs in two games. If you would have told me that at the start of the series, the Jays are going to give up a total of five runs in two games. I'm thinking they just swept the Minnesota twins because the offense, it was just inexplicably poor. And some of it's bad luck. I totally understand that Matt Chapman in game one hits a ball further than I think anyone in that game hit a ball by Michael a Taylor game two, Matt Chapman, Fires one down the line that would have scored three runs. It it misses the line by we're talking less than a foot here. I on on one hand, it's frustrating because you go, if those two at bats go a different way, the Toronto Blue Jays just swept the Minnesota Twins. On the other hand, I mean, there were bases loaded one out situations that they didn't cash in on. There was runners on second and third one out situations they didn't cash in on. Like the offense had other opportunities to come through and sitting here and going, Oh, well, if two at bats would have gone our way, if a couple of bounces would have gone our way, it it is kind of loser mentality. Like the offense still was just flat out. Not good enough. Yeah. Is that, is that really it? You can only hit a handful of balls hard the entire series. Like we're sitting there being like, Oh yeah, the process was great. If Matt Chapman's two hard hit balls landed differently, would have won. Yeah, I guess. But how many hard hit balls did you really have the entire series? Did Brandon belt barrel many balls, George Springer, Bo Vladdy? Not really. I mean, at the end of the day, there's, you know, you're, you're, I, I'm not going to complain about Bo Bichette given he went four for eight. And I guess Vladdy had the double two. I don't know. There's just, there were players in the lineup with the pedigree. George Springer is one of the better players in playoff history right up there at the top of the leaderboards. Brandon Belts won two World Series. Matt Chapman's a veteran as well. There's there's so many guys up and down the lineup that are supposed to come through. This team's built to shut things down with their pitching and hit home runs. We saw that in those last few series in September when they were doing well in, in New York, in Tampa, those ones where they were winning. That was the recipe for success and it didn't come out this year. And it's not like they're playing in a pitcher-friendly park. It's not like you know, target field in Minnesota is this huge cave where it's impossible to hit a home run. It's uh, we've, we've seen many a times um, blue Jays hitters launch the ball in Minnesota, but I don't know. There's, there is something wrong with the blue Jays this year. Couldn't hit for power. I don't know what it was. Was it a team philosophy? Was it a coaching thing? Were they trying to hit the ball a different way? I've read a lot of stuff about people saying they were trying to hit the ball to all parts of the field and not trying to pull enough. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a skilled baseball hitter, so I don't really know what it was they were doing long, but you look at their season numbers and there's so many players who have their slugging percentage dip from last year to this year. And you wonder what it was that was going wrong. Were they, were they trying to be this small ball team that would hit singles, bunt guys over, steal a base and then score because they, they never really did that. You know, the, the Jays were hitting singles quite a bit in this series, but we heard so much like think back in spring training details and stealing bases, old school baseball. That was supposed to be the thing 
thing this year. That was supposed to what was supposed to make them good in October, and we didn't see any of it. So I don't know why they're trying to play that kind of game in 2023. There aren't very many other teams that are doing that. If you look around baseball, the teams that are doing well, it's deep pitching staffs, relievers that throw a million miles an hour, all kinds of pitching depth, and a whole bunch of guys that hit bombs. That's that's what the LA Dodgers do. That's what the Astros do. That's you know what the Braves do. That's what they do. And um, the, the Jays, for some reason, tried to do this small ball thing this year. It didn't work at all. And I don't know. I, I don't really know where you go from here either. There was there was a path after last year's letdown against Seattle or meltdown against Seattle, I should say. There was a path. It was like, you know, these guys struggled with the bright lights. Let's go get some veterans. Let's, you know, play the game a different way. So you can understand why they wanted to do this old school small ball thing, but it just didn't work. You're, you're, you wind up in the exact same result. And now what do you do? Move away from the pitching and defense thing and try and become more of a slugging team all over again. Look for more power hitters that are bad defensively. I don't know what you do. You like what is it that the two different approaches you've tried have, have wound up failing spectacularly. And it's, it's not even like, you know, you can make an argument when, when a team's in the playoffs, think of like the Leafs, for example, Oh yeah, they make the playoffs and lose to Boston. They lose to Tampa. They had a great season and, you know, just keep going back and back and back. And eventually you'll bust through right with the Jays. It doesn't really feel like that. It's like you run this back and you win 90 games, 88 games, whatever next year. And you line up against whoever on the wild card round. And it's, hard to imagine a different result at this point. They're not getting any better. They didn't look better this year against Minnesota than they did against Seattle. It was a different version of the exact same thing. And it's getting to the point now where it's, you know, you're, you're not that far away from Bo and Vlad free agencies. You have a lot of older guys on, you know, expensive contracts. You don't have much of a farm system. I don't know. Do you, do you try it again with this group or do you get out in front of it? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's talk about maybe what's coming up this summer a little bit later. There's kind of three other moments from this series I wanted to I wanted to chat about. Um, and let's go back to game one. Everyone was angry after that game about or not everyone. A lot of the fan base was angry about the Bo Bichette decision to run home. And Carlos Correa nabs him with a perfect throw. He runs, barehands it, on the go, throws just a perfect strike to home plate. Granted, that's Carlos Correa, one of the best shortstops in the game, similar to George Springer, one of the best playoff performers of this century in, in Major League Baseball. I don't hate the decision from Bo. I was sitting on the couch screaming go as soon as that ball got past the third baseman because I'm not thinking Carlos Correa is going to take five full speed strides, pick it up cleanly, fire a ball perfectly to the catcher. I'm thinking Bo Bichette's going to score actually relatively easily here. I didn't hate that play as much as a lot of other people did. I thought that was a good spot to be aggressive because also there's two outs. The Jays can't the Jays can't hit with runners in scoring position. What reason do we have to believe they were going to get a big clutch two out bases loaded hit there? I like the move from Bo. Yeah, from from everyone that was mad about Bo for trying to score in that situation, you're also going to be the first one who's going to have a fucking temper tantrum when Matt Chapman takes strike three right down the middle. Like, let's be honest here. Like, you're going to get mad about every single situation because the Jays aren't scoring runs. They they for some reason this year they don't know how to score runs. And given the context. Uh, with with Bo in that situation, it's completely reasonable to try and score. Carlos Correa has been navigating injuries lately. There was the whole thing about him in the offseason, couldn't sign two different contracts because of 
some apparent chronic injury he has. He doesn't have great mobility. There wasn't even a guarantee he'd be on the postseason roster this year. He probably would have been the DH if not for Royce Lewis being more injured. So, I mean, nobody was expecting Carlos Correa, given that situation, to make an amazing play. And like like we just said a few minutes ago, the Jays, their strategy this year was to be a team that could win the short game. They could, you know, use their wheels, score some runs in, in cheeky ways like that. And that was their philosophy. That was their thing. A lot of people said for a long time, even back in 2015 and 2016, back in 2021, 22, when the Jays were hitting so many homers, but couldn't play situational ball, you know, we need to scrape runs across this way. And now they're trying to do it. And everyone's mad. Everyone's talking about two sides of their mouth here. Like this is the small bullshit that you guys all wanted in the past. And now you have, and you don't like it. It's, it's honestly really funny, but, uh, the Bo situation, I don't blame him at all. He's, he's, it's, it's such a split second thing too. I think, I don't know. I I think it was reasonable. I'm on your side. John Schneider yanks Jose Barrios after three innings. Um, I think it's become very clear in the aftermath of this decision that this isn't just John Schneider sitting in the dugout, clapping his hands and going, well, Jose don't got it. I'm going to go to Kikuchi. This is, this is better. It's very clearly an organizational thing. Um, they talked to Dan Shulman said it on the broadcast. If you read whatever article from whatever reporter you like, who covers this team, they all kind of say, this is a group decision that they make. This is the front office. This is analytically driven. This is when you get to this point with these batters, you go from Barrios to Kikuchi. And I think John Schneider is, taking the brunt of this. That's kind of his job. I don't think it's totally undeserved either. Um, If it is purely organizational, if John Schneider sitting there has no choice because his bosses will get after him or whatever, if he has no choice, but to yank Barrios in that situation, then fire whoever's above him. If this was John Schneider saying, my gut tells me to yank him here, then fire John Schneider. In a perfect world, probably fire all of them. That was ridiculous. That can't be happening. Why would you pay Jose Barrios $131 million if you do not trust him to pitch more than three innings in a wild card game against the Minnesota Twins, a team that's fine offensively? They're just fine offensively. Been hitting good coming into the playoffs, but again, it's not like you're facing the Atlanta Braves and you're like, holy shit, at any moment they could hit a home run. Like, that's not the reality of this situation. They scored three runs in game one off of two home runs. That's it. It's not like there were long rallies and these bats are smoking hot. Again, the lack of trust in Barrios, whoever's idea it was to do this, whatever philosophy or algorithm you're using or whatever, get rid of it, throw it up, throw it out, throw it in the garbage. Like, done that can't happen that was just stupid yeah this made sense a few years ago when it was matt shoemaker pitching against the tampa bay rays and you had two good starters on your staff and jin ryu and taiwan walker and then you had a bunch of question marks ross stripling matt shoemaker robbie ray at that time it made sense then it was like all right we have a we have a pitcher like this who can go through the order once but it doesn't make sense in this situation because jose barrios is not matt shoemaker he's a good pitcher. He's a number two pitcher. He's an all-star caliber pitcher. He he was very good this season. He's going up against his own team or his former team, the ones that traded him away. And then a few years later traded for a different pitcher and signed long-term like, 
there's there's a tremendous amount of motivation for Jose Barrios here to go up against his old teammates in his old stadium and show them up. Like, I, I don't think it's this big, like narcissist ego thing that he needs to do, but that's obviously motivation. When a team trades you away, you come back and then you show them that they were wrong. He's the pitcher that they should have paid long-term. That's something that's probably existing in his head. And he was shoving through three innings. And, and I, I would understand the decision to bring in a lefty here, maybe going into his third time around, but he looked at the, the, the way that it was going was Jose Barrios could put together like the start of his life here. The, the context was all there. The, the vibes were all there. He really had good stuff. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't think pulling him really had an effect on the outcome of the game at the end of the day, because the Jays kind of proved they weren't really scoring a run. I don't know, maybe if it was zero zero and they weren't playing with the we're behind mentality, then things might be different, but I don't really believe that's the case. Personally. I, I, I just think they were kind of doomed not to score because it's the 2023 Jays. But to me, it feels like the blue Jays just robbed Jose Barrios of a chance to have what could have been the marquee start of his career, the most memorable start of his career. And I don't want to be like, I, I just criticize people for talking out of their mouths both ways. I don't want to be one of those ones who who would have if if Jose Barrios and say the fourth or fifth inning got drilled and allowed a, a two run bomb to a lefty. I, I I would have rather have seen that and Barrios take the loss, go six innings, allow two runs, whatever, and gamble that you're going to get that amazing start because that's why you get these good pitchers is to come up in October and shut teams down, put up seven, eight innings, do that kind of thing. I would have rather have seen that and them lose that way than lose because they made a decision the previous day. The decision was made no matter how good Barrios is. He's coming out after facing the order once. And I, I, I just don't think you should take the ball out of players' hands that are of that quality. If 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 you're later into the playoffs and you know you have uh, Hyunjin Ryu or something like that going up against a team that mashes lefties, yeah, sure, let him go through once. But Jose Barrios against his former team pitching the way that he was to take the ball away from him there. It's just, I don't know. There's, I understand all the, all the numbers that go into it. I understand the context. I, I get what they're trying to do, but you got to let the guys play at some point. That's, that's what we're here for. Uh, it's not a thought. It's not a thought experiment. These, <laughs> these are real people with, with in real life situations. So I don't know. It's almost as if someone would have scripted like the most morbid way for this series to play out at every turn. That's what happened again. Chapman drilling a ball. You're thinking off the bat, holy shit, massive pre or postseason moment. Like he, it, it's gone. They're gonna shoot into the lead, and then Michael A. Taylor makes like a weird jumping catch. It looked weird on the broadcast too. You like almost didn't see the ball go into his glove the way he jumped up. Same thing when he comes up with the bases loaded. You're thinking, all right, what could be the most crushing way for this to go? line drive down the line that off the bat you think is fair and going to clear the bases. And then no, he's not, he's not just going to get out. It's not like he struck out. There was another batter after No, he hits into a double play that he almost beats out. He was like a third of a step away from getting his foot on the bag and beating that thing out. And then you go to the one runners on second and third Bo Bichette at the dish guys, two for three already on the game. He's hitting great so far in this series. What's the most fucked up way for that at bat to end? It's not the guy at third getting picked off. It's Vladdy getting picked off at second base with a full count because of course that happens. Why else would it end in a normal and non-painful way? It just, it's so frustrating, man. Like 
all year we talked about how this team or this team, I should say, talked about how they're better at the details. Now, Vladdy himself talked about, you know, being a good base runner and things like that. How do you get picked off when you're not even the lead runner in that situation? I think we all should have known as soon as that quote came out in like mid, late March, whenever it was where they were like, we're focusing on our details this season. Like we're going to do the little things right. As soon as that line was said, we should have known that the season was going to end on some crap like this. And it's your star player getting picked off at second base in the, in the middle of a situation where you have the bases loaded. That is, that's something it's not, it's not blowing an eight, one lead to Seattle, but it's, it's, it's a similar kind of energy. And I don't know, they, they always seem to create these, problems for themselves based on the narratives that they create early in the season. You know, this, this last year was the trailer. This year is the movie. And then it becomes a big joke. You know, we're going to get all of our details, right? Well, no, you're not because you're playing 162 games and the best baseball team of all time still fucked up a bunch because you're not perfect over 162 games. And maybe having that culture is one where you're always gripping the bat so hard, worried about making these little mistakes like this, this military style of playing the game. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the best idea because when it all came down to it, despite the six months of focus on never fucking up, guess what they did? They fucked up. And yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's at a point now it's, it's happened two years in a row and this is maybe just who they are. I don't, I don't know. Is there, is how many more learning experiences it take? Like how many eight, one blown leads and sweeps by the Minnesota twins who hadn't won a playoff game in 18 games. You know, they had been swept in like six series in a row and you came in and let this team, just dominate you. They just cast you aside like nothing. <laughs> and it's, you, you have so little room for, for error because I don't know, it's impossible for you guys to score runs for whatever reason. And you're managing to screw up on that. Again, you're, you're, you're building this, this pitching and defense, small ball team who has this razor thin margin, razor thin margin of error for success. Your pitching has to be spectacular. You got to find a way to like chip a run in somehow have the you know have a guy on bunt him over and then someone slaps a single and you're trying to win these tight little games but you're still fucking up all these situations and i don't know maybe they should just go back to the blue jays we all know and love which is a team that just mashes home runs and hopes for the best i'd rather watch that than whatever it was this year ever again because that was painful painful just just boring to watch even down to the bitter end, the Blue Jays get the tying run to the dish in the ninth inning against the Twins, and they strike out on six consecutive pitches. Oh. It's just just the perfect way for the whole thing to come to a close, and they are eliminated by the Minnesota Twins. A painful sweep, another painful sweep in the postseason for the Toronto Blue Jays. I kind of said this a few times throughout the year, but this was an important season for the Jays to have success because you only get to be the young up and coming team for a little bit. At some point you either get the label of choke artists or losers. And I think this Jays core now firmly has the stench of loser all over them. And I'm quite honestly, not sure if this group is going to be mentally capable of overcoming that. I, I don't know. I don't know if I see that fight in them. No, that's, and that's the worst part about it is I've said it before. I don't love to be one of those guys who, who overreacts to small sample sizes at the end of the, at the end of the day, the, the, the wild card series is inherently wild. That's why they call them mm -hmm. that it's three games and a lot of weird shit can happen. Just like weird things are going to happen over the course of a random three game series in May. It, it is what it is, but, but there there's, I think there's less of an element of randomness in a series of this because it's supposed to show 
the best players shining through in the most difficult moments. And there's just, there's so few instances where players were, were really doing that again. Vladdy hit that double looked like it could have been a game changer. Everyone behind him, just nothing. Bo four hits, you know, uh, everyone's focusing on his, his, his throw out at home plate. Uh, Barrios looks like he's throwing a great game gets pulled out. Uh, Gosman can't pull, pl- can't can't have that amazing start they just gave themselves like no room for error and they didn't get any star performances at all and i don't know that's that's kind of just the way the season went and if if you had watched the whole 162 games there just weren't very many times where they showed that magic or that resilience even pitching and defense teams need that think back to the 2015 royals or the 2016 cleveland that's the you know the teams we like to compare the 2023 jays to if all went well then you could be one of those teams but those teams had magic they had fight they had resilience when they were losing when kansas city in 2015 when they were losing it felt like they could get somebody on and push them over push in a run or somebody was going to come up and hit a bomb and the jays just didn't have that and you know it's it's anecdotal there's there there aren't these numbers to back it up but anybody who watched the team could see it. Anybody who watched the team all season could see that, man, there just, there isn't really that much more there. There, there isn't that much more for them to dig for. And it's, it's hard to imagine them having results against other teams where inevitably that's going to happen. There's going to be other guys who, who dig through and come up with great results. And it's, it's hard to imagine the Jays matching that or overcoming it. This was supposed to be the easy path to the playoffs. They played the team in the American league in the playoffs with the fewest amount of wins, the team that got to rack up wins against Detroit and Kansas city and the white Sox and Cleveland all year. And it still wasn't enough. Like, I don't know. You, you, you lost to Seattle and Minnesota and back-to-back years, man. Like when do the twins and Mariners win playoff series? How are you losing to teams like this? Like you're a rung below that. Like you're not even close to the top echelon of teams in the American league. You're losing to teams that hadn't won playoff series since 2001 and 2002. The last time the twins had won a playoff series was when they were the other team in Moneyball. They beat the Oakland A's in 2002 and you're losing to that. And you're, you're not young anymore. You've gone through these things. Like we're, we're there, there just isn't reason to be excited for the future anymore. They, they are what they are. Well, that's depressing. And on that <laughs> note, uh, let's collect our thoughts and step aside for uh, for a quick break here. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Moving along on episode 186 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, the sad vibes episode of the show. It sucks, and it's brought to you by Botano. They don't suck. Sportsbook. Uh, check them out online, botano.ca, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Um, all right, Coombsy, we'll talk about who could and couldn't or shouldn't be back next year. But first, every series ended in a sweep. So let's get a read on what else went on around Major League Baseball with our pal Brett Holden, little MLB postseason report. Brett, there were some other stunning results in the MLB wildcard round. Yeah, a couple other teams made us look a little silly with our uh, predictions there. But at least the Jays aren't the only team who got swept because, as you said, every other team did get swept. Let's start off with the other American League wildcard game. And that was the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that we were all scared of facing. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays got swept by the Rangers (laughs) for nothing in game one between the Rangers and the Rays. Corey Seager got a big got the team going there with a two excuse me two rbi line drive single in the sixth and jose siri just absolutely miffed the ball then overthrew his cutoff guy it was a joke and that was basically all they needed in game one former yankee Jordan Montgomery finishes with seven innings pitch, five strikeouts, six hits, no earned runs in that one. And then in game two, the bats kept going for the Rangers, a seven to one victory for them. Nathan Avaldi threw an absolute gem, six and two thirds innings there, six hits, eight Ks with an earned run. Josh Young, who's been having a spectacular season as well, went three for four with a triple and two doubles. And then the rookie who came up against Against the Jays keeps contributing with Evan Carter one for two in that game with a homer, a walk, a hit by pitch, two RBIs and the four run inning in the fourth was the beginning of the end. Now the Texas Rangers head to Baltimore to face off against those 101 win Baltimore Orioles. Now let's flip to the National League here for just a second. The Arizona Diamondbacks. I talked a lot of shit about the Arizona Diamondbacks. You did pick them. Yeah, I'm sorry to mislead everybody, but they rocked the Milwaukee Brewers. And the funny thing about these two games is that the Brewers in the first inning took leads in both of them. They jumped out to a 3-0 lead in the first and second innings in the first game. The Carlos Santana homer in the first and none other than Tyrone Taylor baby gets a two-run homer in the second in game one. But then D-backs tied up in the third with a two-run homer from Corbin Carroll followed by Cattell Marte back-to-back homers and then in the fourth none other again than former Blue Jay Gabby Moreno hitting a postseason homer as that would be all the D-backs would need in game one. Christian Walker would, of course, add two more in the ninth. And then in game two, as mentioned, the Brewers head into another lead. But then a four-run inning in the sixth. RBI hits from Corbin Carroll, Patel Marte, and Lourdes Gurriel would all would be all those D-backs would need to advance the NLDS. And guess who they face, baby? Those Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm pretty sure the last time the D-backs played the Dodgers in the postseason, Gerardo Parra was in their outfield. So best of luck. To them 2017. There. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Dodgers, I don't want to talk about that year. Either way, uh, the final series in the NL, the Phillies and the Marlins, this kind of went the way that we expected it to go. The Marlins just aren't quite there yet as the Phillies just showed their uh, postseason dominance or postseason experience, I should say. Listen to the RBIs that were scored in, or the guys who scored RBIs in game one compared to the guys who scored RBIs in game two. Game one where Alec Boehm, Bryson Stott, Christian Pache, and Nick Castellanos. Those are all guys, well, except for Castellanos, basically. Most of those guys were kind of written off in some sort of way here or there throughout the season or a couple past seasons as well. They come up big in the first game of the wild card. And then in game two, seven to one victory for the Phils there. And this is where the usual suspects show up. Kyle Schwarber, JT Real Muto, Trey Turner, and again, Bryson Stott, who might be having quite the playoffs here for the Phils. That would be all the Phillies would need to move on to the Atlanta Braves. We have some insane matchups coming up in the divisional series. I don't know. Maybe some pretty good baseball coming up for a little bit, even though our Jays aren't in it anymore. All right. Thanks, Brett. Of course. Thank you. Coomsey, uh, Twins, Astros, Rangers, Orioles. I'm going to go Orioles in four, and I will go, oof, I'm, I might go Twins in five. Orioles in four, Twins in five. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going Twins in five and Orioles in five as well. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on the Twins bandwagon now. I'm, I'm happy for them. Why not? Yeah, it, it is a pretty lovable fan base. They've been through a lot of shit. Like, it's oh, not like yeah. the Jays, Jays would have lost, like, the Red Sox. I would have been like, God, they better get swept next yeah. round. Um, it was the same thing with Seattle last year. Like, I have no animosity to Mariners fans or that team at all. Like, look at Minnesota sports, man. Like, what what do you have to cheer for? The Minnesota Timberwolves in the NBA have, like, never won a playoff series. The Vikings are the Vikings. <laughs> I mean, the Wild, again, that's a team that's never going to win a Stanley Cup. It's, it sucks. It's, it's a bad sports city. Uh, I'll let you go first in the NL. Dodgers, D-backs, and Phillies, Braves. Um, I don't think the Dodgers pitching actually is going to be able to get them through. I think, I think the, the D backs have the vibe. So I'm going to go with the D backs. Gabby Moreno is going to lead them all away. And then, uh, Braves fills. I'm going to go with the fills there just because, uh, another year of blue Jays fans saying that the blue Jays would be the 2023 Atlanta Braves <laughs> devoid of the context would just be too much. Diamondbacks in five and Phillies in, uh, I'm going to go Phillies in three. Ooh, Phillies in three. Okay, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Braves in four. I think they hold on and win that series. I, I just think the bats will power them through. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Diamondbacks in five. Team of destiny. If I'm going to watch this, I want to see someone go crazy. I want to see some insane runs, a miracle team. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, um, I agree. We got like five more minutes left here in the pod. I'm going to rattle off some names. You tell me who you think could or should. Come back. Matt Chapman, Jordan Hicks, Hunjin Ryu, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Whit Merrifield. Some context here. Whit Merrifield has a mutual option. I think it's likely to be declined. Hunjin Ryu says he'd want to sign another MLB contract. He wants to stay in North America. Uh, Matt Chapman reopened the signing with the Jays, hasn't given free agency much thought. Brandon Belt actually might retire and then haven't heard really anything on Jordan Hicks. So out of that crew of the unrestricted free agents, who's back? 
Uh, that's a tough one. I think Jordan Hicks, there's a chance he might come back. He's a good reliever. He's pretty young. The Jays paid a decent price to get him. But then again, this front office doesn't really invest big dollars in relievers that often. So it eh, wouldn't be surprising to see him walk. Hyunjin Ryu, I think, would also make some sense because you have your four starters penciled in for next year. Gosman, Barrios, Basic, Akuchi. That's a nice one through four. We have no idea what to expect from Alec Manoa if he's ever going to pitch for the Blue Jays again. I honestly have no idea. Ricky Tiedemann's probably the closest one to to making the majors when it comes to pitching prospects that are you know notable names but he's only made a couple of starts in triple a had a pretty injury riddled season it might make some sense to bring ryu back on a one-year contract if he'd be interested in that kind of thing all the other position players i think the spots get filled internally or the jays go in a different direction uh, like kiermaier it seemed like a one-year thing to be a mentor for dalton Barshow. that's their center fielder of the future they they paid the price to get him so he can be that guy chapman i just i I don't know, given, given the season and the struggles offensively, as good as he is defensively, there's, you know, Addison Barger or all this Martinez, lots of guys in Buffalo who I think you could give the spot to Whit Merrifield, same thing. Great, great first half, but there are so many other Davis Schneider type, Spencer Horowitz, you know, Ernie Clement, whatever players that could fill into that spot. And the Jays have to have to mix things up. They can't, they can't bring back the exact same team next year. So, um, Got to got to change some things. I I so out of that group, I would expect the pitchers are probably the most likely to be back. I I wouldn't expect any of those position players back next year. Yeah, I think Jordan Hicks is the most likely to return. Actually, right? Like, why would you not keep him and Romano there at the end of games? Like, that'd just be such a nice duo to have for a full season. Yeah, I agree with that. They, I, I think that there's a reason they paid the price to get Hicks and they really like him. And I thought he was a very good blue Jay. It seemed the Jays have a history of grabbing guys with great arms who are somewhat wild and kind of reeling them in. So maybe they, they, they see a good partnership there and they agree to a new contract. And the last one, uh, Louis Rivera is reportedly retiring. So the Jays will need a third base coach for the first time in over a decade. Um, but John Schneider, here's my thought process. If you are going to run it back with this crew, one, I think it's a mistake. But if you're going to fire John Schneider, I don't think Ross Atkins gets the chance to hire another manager. You got your one. You got to go from Montoya to Schneider. It clearly failed miserably. You're done. That's it. So then if you're firing Ross Atkins, are you also firing Mark Shapiro? That's where I think I draw the line. I think Shapiro's got his hand in enough of the business side and everything that's going on there that he stays and gets a chance to make another hire. Is it an outside hire? Is James Click taking over as the GM? I don't know. I would guess Atkins and Schneider are done. What's your guess? Yeah, I kind of think that might be the move. There's there's two paths, I think, here. There's I don't see a path in which Rogers fires Mark Shapiro after the year the Blue Jays just had. Financially, they passed three million fans. The the renovations, the outfield, the hot dogs, everything was a success. Say what you want about the team, the Cleveland through crew, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, Shapiro's got Rogers spending more money than they really ever have. So I I don't see the complaint there. The the spending is there both in terms of players on the field and coaches, front office scouts. They have a very robust staff. They have all the resources they need to do well. At the end of the day, Ross Atkins built his team and it didn't work. I don't necessarily fully blame him for everything because I do think that, I mean, I think of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This year is the star player. He's supposed to be the Jays are a very good team with the, with the group they have built around that, but that didn't happen. But then again, and also furthermore to that, I, I, I complained earlier in the podcast that their hitting strategy, their, their small ball thing they did, it didn't work out for the group they had. And that also comes from the top. At the end of the day, Atkins hires these coaches and creates these strategies. So 
um, he has to be the one to fall for this one. I think I, I'm of the mind personally that I think the Jays should move into somewhat of a rebuild. And I don't want Atkins to run that rebuild again. I think he got his chance to do it. So I, I would per- personally move in another direction, but if they chose to run it back one more year with Atkins and Schneider, I wouldn't hate it. Third time's the charm, I guess, maybe. Is it the third time? Not really, but uh, I don't know. Fifth, tenth time's the charm. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't feel great about them running it back personally. I think they should get out in front of a quick retool. Yeah. Uh, this is the mistake I think they made in 2016. After the ALCS, they tried to go for it in 17, put a bit of an effort into it in 18 as well. I think they should have just blown it up earlier. Look at the Baltimore Orioles and what they got from tanking maybe a couple of years low at the draft order like that. Uh, Unfortunately, maybe it might help. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing things out there, but I agree with you that if, if, if they do decide for changes, it cannot just be Schneider and the coaching staff. This is, I I don't blame Schneider for what's gone on in either of the last two playoff losses. I, I don't think it's his fault. We'll keep this rolling probably in a few days or within a week when we do kind of a full on off season preview for this Blue Jays team. Uh, there are a lot of questions that will need to be answered. Uh, thanks to everyone who tuned in after every single series throughout the year to listen to us yap about the Toronto Blue Jays. Coombsy, it was a lot of fun doing the pot again with you. We'll keep them going throughout the winter, um, but it was a pleasure. So thanks to everyone who listened. Subscribe to the YouTube and all of that fun stuff. Brett, as well as Brandon Douglas, our two producers throughout the year. It was a fun one, Coombsy, but we'll keep it rolling. Best wishes. We will. I think it's going to be a jam-packed off-season full of things to talk about. We are going to have a busy winter in Blue Jays land, I would assume. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.